The Premiere On Podcast is brought to you today by our friends at Java Remix. Java Remix is the perfect blend of 100% organic Arabica coffee infused with nano-emulsified CBD. Cannabidiol, or CBD, is fast gaining a reputation as a remedy to treat everything from anxiety to depression, inflammation to acne. And now it's available in your morning cup of Java. Go to javaremix.com right now and browse through their available products. Java Remix offers traditional ground coffee as well as single-serve K-cups in both regular and decaf. And if you aren't a coffee person, Java Remix also offers CBD-infused teas, bath bombs, and body scrubs. And for our Prove Me Wrong listeners, go online right now, that's javaremix.com, and enter the promo code PROVEMEWRONG for a 20% discount off your entire shopping experience. And Java Remix also offers free shipping on all orders over $40. Once again, that's javaremix.com. Promo code prove me wrong. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Prove Me Wrong podcast. I'm your host, Pete Lieb. I have a great show lined up for you tonight. My guest tonight is Rob Shelsky, and we are going to talk about the hollow moon theory and specifically all the anomalies that make our moon so much different in terms of relative size, position, composition than any other moon in the solar system. You know, without our moon exactly where it is and the size it is, it's very likely that life on Earth maybe could not exist. So we're going to talk about the absolutely amazing coincidences surrounding the moon-Earth relationship, and maybe present some opinions as to how it got here. Rob is a friend of the show, and he has been on before. Rob is a prolific author of books ranging from cryptids to UFOs, aliens to time travel. Uh, And that's just really to mention a few. He was on the program earlier this year, and we discussed the Mandela Effect. So be sure to go back and look in the Prove Me Wrong archives and find that one as well. His book on this topic is called For the Moon is Hollow and Aliens Rule the Sky. And you can find that on Amazon.com. You can find Rob on his website as well, robshelsky.blogspot.com. And again, you can find all of his books, I believe he has somewhere near 20, on Amazon.com. So welcome back, Rob, to the show. Hi there. It's good to be back. Your work is wide and varied. Um, I'm not going to get too deep into how you got into it because we kind of talked about that before. But in looking at your bio, I will say that this was a topic that you weren't always sold on. What was the event that got you involved in researching and ultimately writing about the hollow moon? Well, I was on um, Coast to Coast Radio, and George Norrie asked me what I thought of the hollow moon theory. And I just laughed it off because, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's kind of like the flat earth theory, at least right. I thought so at the time. And I just dismissed it. But then I started thinking about it. I thought, well, I don't really don't know enough about it to be that dismissive of it. So I started researching it. And the more I researched it, the more I came up with the idea that there might be something to the hollow moon theory, and uh, which only goes to show you should have more of an open mind than even those of us who think we have an open mind. But yeah, I think there's some reasonable evidence to suppose the moon might be hollow or at least have huge empty chambers in it. So just a level set, what are some of the more generally accepted theories in terms of how the moon actually came to be where it is? I mean, you know, the the scientific explanations. 
we've gone through a, a series of them, as you put it, and uh, there's about five main theories. And the first one probably was the accretion theory, which mm-hmm. we said the moon simply formed along with the Earth. By the way, that's what I learned in school. Right. And then we found out, that, no, the angular momentum, everything is just just doesn't work. It doesn't work well. So then we tried the um, uh, the uh, well. The, one of them was the impact theory, which is the one we're using now. And uh, that one's the idea that a planetary body the size of Mars or close to it named Theia impacted the Earth and created the moon. And then we have a uh, another theory that uh, it came from the Earth. That Darwin actually came up with, Charles Darwin, and said that the moon um, basically uh, blew out of the uh, Pacific Basin. But we know that's not true because the rocks from around the Pacific Basin are not nearly as old as the moon. So the moon couldn't have come from there. Then there's the capture theory. The moon's just a big old thing wandering through the solar system, and we grabbed it. Lots of problems with that theory. It just doesn't work well. The orbit's too circular. Um, the chances are far more likely that we would have been thrown out of orbit, and so would the moon might have even left the solar system. Mm-hmm. And uh, in order for the moon to get into the orbit it got into, no matter how it approached us, the Earth's atmosphere would have had to extend much further at the time into space to act as a braking influence, friction. And we know that's not true either. So, uh, and then we came up with the georeactor theory, and that said that basically it was a whole lot of nuclear matter that just happened to be right at the equator, and it blew, and the moon came out of there. I'm simplifying, but that's basically the theory. The um, impact theory is now the darling of the industry, but it has major problems too. Uh, and the moon has so many oddities. One scientist said that it's easier to explain the moon's non-existence than it is to explain its existence. It's a truly unique moon in our solar system, and the Earth just happens to have it. Well, some of those examples that you just gave, in terms of accretion, that would mean that the Earth, the moon came from the Earth directly, right? I mean, it, it kind of just split off. Uh, there was one big mass. They split off into two masses. But there are some problems with that, right? I mean, in terms of the composition of the moon, just, just kind of picking holes again in, in some of the theories— the moon isn't sure. the same composition as the Earth, correct? Well, it is and it isn't. The, um, a lot of the rock we've brought back from the moon, from the Apollo missions, shows that it's pretty similar to the uh, mantle of the Earth's crust. Mm-hmm. But the accretion theory says that the moon and the Earth formed out of the same dust cloud. The moon didn't come from the Earth, but formed with, along with the Earth. It just happened to be two big balls okay. that formed together side by side. And there was some evidence to support that, because the Earth and the moon actually form a double planet system. The center of gravity between the two of them is not at the center of the Earth's core. It's all, it really is a double planet system. So for a while they thought, well, okay, that's what happened. That makes the most sense. All this circle of dust around the sun slowly turning into um, planets, you know, forming, and the moon and the Earth just happen to do it really close together. But uh, there are a lot of problems with that theories, uh, those theories too. And one of them Again, it's the angular momentum of the moon, its present orbit around the Earth, well, any orbit around the Earth, and the fact that the moon's density is quite different from that of the Earth. It's not, uh, it doesn't have the same density, and we can't account for that. For the moon's size, it should have more mass than it does. It doesn't, and that's a big question. And one uh, NASA scientist said, it raises the disturbing possibility the moon might actually be hollow because somehow you have to account for that missing mass. So the accretion theory didn't work well at all. Again, the capture theory doesn't work because the statistical chance of it getting into the current orbit is almost zero. 
And uh, again, you'd have to have had a thick atmosphere around the Earth to act as a braking influence to let it swing into orbit around the Earth. And we know that the Earth just didn't have that that thick an atmosphere extending that far into space. The georeactor theory has a lot of problems with it, too, because, again, it, it comes up, uh, it's, that's where the Earth came from, the, uh, the moon came from the Earth, because of a nuclear, a massive natural nuclear explosion at the equator, mm-hmm. and it flung out the moon, and, uh, again, you have the angular momentum problems, you have the problems of the moon's density compared to the Earth. Again, all of these theories had problems, so they keep coming up with different theories. In fact, the georeactive theory of the origin of the moon uh, was brought out by two scientists because the impact theory had problems as well. And again, that is the theory most scientists now adhere to. But all through the 20th century and into the 21st century, we've kept changing what we believe is true about the moon. And the problem with that is once a scientist said this is the most probable way, then everyone, all the media says, oh, yeah, this is how it was formed. Mm-hmm. Well, the impact theory has big problems, too. For instance, if the moon was formed from an impact of a planet with the Earth, the moon should be made up of material from both planets, Earth right. and Thea. We can't find any material from Thea on the moon. We don't know why that is. It should be there, and it should be there in abundance. And it's not. We haven't found any. And, uh, again, there's a problem of the density of the moon, uh, and we can't figure out why that is. There's a problem of the crust of the moon on the far side being thicker than the crust on the near side. There's a problem that we have these maria, these huge dark areas you see on the moon uh, at night uh, that are uh, like plains of lava. Well, they're only on the earth side. They're not on the far side. The uh, moon seems to be lacking a core. It has a core that we don't know what it's made of because we have a seismograph on the moon. It records lunar earthquakes, and these earthquakes or moonquakes don't seem to go through the center of the moon and uh, to the other side and back like they should. They do on Earth. So one scientist said that, again, raises the possibility that the center of the moon is either hollow or made of a substance unknown to us that stops the seismic waves from passing through it. Well, and isn't, the list is endless. Yeah, I mean, isn't one of those things also just, if it was passing by and somehow it did get caught on the Earth, wouldn't there be a much more elliptical orbit around the Earth versus a nearly perfect circle? I mean, it's it's nearly a perfect circle right in the in the the or along the equator of the Earth. It's in a, what, a synchronous orbit, right? So you never see the other side. I mean, that that's odd in itself, isn't it? I mean, it, has nobody ever looked well, up and said, wow, I never see anything but the man. There's never anything different. That's pretty impressive. Right. The capture theory postulates, again, that the moon passed too close to the Earth and was trapped into orbit around it. Again, the problem with that theory is that, as you know, asteroids and comets move at incredible speeds. Mm -hmm. And um, so the moon would be hurtling by. And if it came too close to the Earth, both of the uh, world's gravity would disturb each other to the point where the Earth would have left its current orbit. And more likely than not, it's been flung out into space or an entirely new orbit. Same with the moon. It, again, it's far more likely that that would have happened than that the moon would have settled into orbit around the Earth. And again, to have that nice circular orbit we're talking about, you have to have that thick atmosphere as a break to slow it down so it enters a nice circular orbit. The chances of that happening are virtually nil. Right, exactly. There is a couple of other bodies in the solar system with actually more perfect circular orbits. Venus is one of them. But uh, the moon is incredibly circular, it, it's, and it should be an ellipse. The ellipses are normal. 
We have looked at um, planet after planet in our solar system, and now exoplanets in other solar systems, and all their orbits are elliptical. So right. a circular orbit is highly unusual, and that we can't account for. Not only that, but the distance of it. Of all the moons in our solar system, and there are hundreds, ours is the only one that's just perfectly far from the Earth to allow for a perfect total solar eclipse from the Earth's vantage point. And also, it uh, does the... Uh, the equinoxes, just like the sun does on Earth. And again, this is very strange. The only moon in the solar system out of hundreds that does this, and it happens to be the one around a planet with life on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, again, makes it odd as well. And we also have materials on the moon that shouldn't be there. Neptunium-237 is a radioactive isotope. It exists on the moon to some degree. Not a lot, but to some degree. It doesn't exist on the Earth at all because its half-life is less than 3 million years, actually like 2.5, 2.6 or something like that. So it should have all have decayed by now long ago, if the moon is 4.5 billion years ago, it has on Earth. We have to create it artificially. We, it doesn't exist in nature on Earth. So why is there some on the moon? The moon has an abundance of helium-3, which is extremely rare on the Earth. In fact, there's so much helium-3 on the moon that they said it would be great to mine it uh, because... Uh, it would be a perfect fuel for fusion reactors. Right. And then again, of course, you have all those strange phenomena that are occurring on, on a supposedly dead world. NASA commissioned a report on it. It went back 500 years, and it is just riddled with odd things being seen on the moon. Um, one example only is the Aristarchus Crater. Astronomers nicknamed it the Blue Gym. And the reason they did that is because they have seen for years and years and years, and by the way, it still continues, blue glows in and around Aristarchus Crater. Now, one person actually ran a spectral analysis of it, and they said the blue glow was exactly the same as what would be given off by a fusion reactor. So they theorized that perhaps there might be a fusion reactor buried or down in the crater itself somewhere, hidden. So is there, I don't know, but we have seen blue flashes, blue lights, blue beacons, blue pulses, you name it, we've seen it. And that's why they call it the blue gem. So you mentioned that the relative age of the moon is significantly younger than the Earth as well. You mentioned the composition. We kind of went through a bunch of the stuff. So when was the first time, I mean, I know there is literature and people have said in the past, you know, they've made statements about the moon. I think H.G. Wells had said something about the moon being hollow in the early 1900s, but what was the first real scientific declaration that we think that the moon potentially is hollow? Well, that occurred in the 1970s. It was two um, Soviet scientists, Vasin and Sherbakov. They were members of the Soviet Science Academy at the time, well-respected in the group, and they came up with, with what they called the spaceship moon theory. Because the moon had so many extreme oddities, mm-hmm. they were trying to come up with some solution that answered all those oddities. And oddly enough, it is the spaceship moon theory, hollow moon theory, if you will, that answers every single question of the oddities about the moon. None of our other theories of the creation of the moon account for all of the oddities we've seen on the moon. The only one that does is the spaceship moon or hollow moon theory. So they are saying that the moon was brought into place, so that it was intelligently brought to where it is. Well, that's their theory. Yeah. They believe that there might be about 20 miles down to 25 miles down an inner shell of titanium or some strong metal alloy. And they say that this accounts for why when meteors hit the moon, the small craters are deep because the small meteors can penetrate several miles in before they lose their speed. 
Uh, but the big craters are very shallow. And they say that's because when a big asteroid hits the moon, it, uh, it goes down into the crust all the way to the inner shell and bounces back off. And this causes the uh, molten material to well up with it and causes a shallow um, crater. So all the big craters on the moon are shallow, and all the small ones are, if you calculate them, they are uh, in the correct ratio to their size, their depth. The large ones are not. Which would and they've come up with a number of theories for that. Uh, and also, there's a definite pattern of craters at the lunar south pole in a swirling motion, starting at the center of the south pole and swirling out from it. Uh, you can take, you know, look at pictures through NASA and places like that. I have them online on YouTube if you, anyone wants to go there. But, yeah, it, it is, uh, so they theorize there's an inner shell, and inside that it might be hollow. Other astronomers are saying, well, maybe it's just really massive empty cabins that could account for the lower density of the moon compared to the Earth. So uh, the um, no matter how you look at it, the moon is missing mass. And these two scientists in the Soviet Union said, well, the reason it could be hollow is because all the maria, all that lava that was pumped out onto the surface was done by the aliens to make the center hollow. And uh, the astronauts, when they landed on the moon and did their drill samples, found that the top three layers of the moon's material are in reverse order of density, with the densest being on top and the least dense the third layer down. Now, that doesn't make any common sense at all. You take sand and soil from outside, put it in a jar of water, shake it up, and then let it settle, and the densest material always sinks to the bottom, and the lighter materials are always on top. Well, on the surface of the moon, it seems to be the reverse. And these scientists say it's because when they pumped out the material, it was pumped out in reverse order. Densest material first, and then a lighter material, and then as it got further out from the center, even lighter material. And that would account for why we see that on the moon's surface. So uh, you get a lot of um, explanations for a lot of things that no other theory seems to be able to supply. What was the response? I mean, if you happen to have researched that, what was the response when these two guys... Because this had to have come out from of left field, right? At that point, the the first moon landing had taken place. I'm assuming, or at least at least the first. So we have we had been there at that point, but it was that had to be out of left field to say out of kind of nowhere, just because its orbit is a little is a little too circular. Uh, you know, its positioning is a little too close. It's you know, how would they even know the density? I don't know how could they have known the density at that point in time. Yes, you can, you can determine the density of an object in space by uh, its apparent size and its distance from it and the gravitational pull oh, okay. it exerts. And, and uh, the moon does exert a fairly strong gravitational pull on the Earth. We get tides from it. We also get them from the sun, and we also get them from the rotation of the Earth itself, the Coriolis effect. But uh, the, uh, the moon's density just isn't enough. If it's made from the material of Earth, as the impact theory would suggest, then it's it's too low a density, and that's something that we just can't understand. Why is it that low a density? And the answer has there has to be an answer. Mm -hmm. Either there's missing mass, or the moon is made up of cheese. <laughs> yeah. Since we know it's not made up of cheese, then there has to be missing matter, missing missing mass. So then, if if we're going to accept, if we're going to accept the spaceship moon theory, then we kind of have to think to ourselves, why why was the spaceship towed into place or or driven into place there? And there has, and I think you've actually mentioned it the last time we talked, you mentioned that there was a lot of cultural history that speaks to a time before the moon. Can you go into a little bit of that? Sure. Uh, in my book, I try to, whenever I try to come to a solution, 
I cross-reference different sources for different things. First, I do the science sources. I do the theory sources, cosmology. Then I do the um, actual facts that we know about the moon, like we know the Earth's density is 5.5 grams per square centimeter, while the moon is only 3.3. And yet the moon's supposed to be made up of material, the Earth's mantle, and supposedly sea as well, but there's a real disparity going on there. Uh, but um, the, the end result seems to be that in recorded history, there seems to be a lot of inferences to a time when there was no moon. The Greeks referred to a people that lived in Greece before they arrived there, and they referred to them as the proselytes, meaning those that inhabited the area before the moon. The Romans referred to a time when there was no moon. In the New World, various Native American tribes in Central and South America always started their stories uh, long ago before there was a moon. And this appears again and again around the Earth in totally isolated cultures and civilizations that developed theoretically completely isolated from each other. So here you have ancient Greece, you have Rome, at its height, you have uh, Central and South America all talking about a time when there was no moon. Plus, we don't have any really ancient pictures of the moon, no maps. They don't go back very far. We have the farthest, eight most ancient reference to the moon that we've ever seen is a cave painting of a crescent. It's a simple crescent. And we're assuming that's the moon. However, we have no maps from ancient times of the surface of the moon. And yet the surface of the moon is clearly visible from right. the Earth. You and I look up at a full moon and we can see all sorts of features on it. Why are there no historical records of anyone having drawn these and preserved them in any way, shape, or form? Uh, which is highly unusual, too. So when you add up this together, the recorded history of a time when there was no moon, when you add in the fact that the current theories of the formation of the moon are inadequate except the spaceship moon theory, or hollow moon, and when you add in also the, the oddities on the moon's surface, which, by the way, are rife for a planet that's supposed to be dead, uh, it's an incredible number, then you have to say to yourself, well, what can account for all these three different things, all these three different sources? And you can either dismiss them, as most scientists do, but you have a lot of scientists who do question the problem. I mean, another example of the moon's oddities is it rings like a bell. Mm. Well, not actually like a bell. I mean, it doesn't go bong, bong, bong. But when struck, it vibrates. And when the Apollo missions dropped uh, a lander back onto the surface, the moon rang like a bell, all right, or vibrated. And it did this for not just a few minutes, but for hours. And one NASA scientist said it was almost as if the moon was not only hollow, but had dampening struts inside of it as well. So you go there you go, and it continues to go. Does it make sense... You know, the moon has such an impact on the Earth in terms of its wobble, you know, in terms of the Earth wobbling. If the moon wasn't there, I think I read something that the Earth would potentially wobble up somewhere up to 85 degrees over time. Does it make a lot of sense that there would be this uh, a long history without that stabling influence there? I mean, would would Earth life be capable without it? Well, apparently life is capable without it because we have a lot of evidence now that there must have been some kind of uh, microbiological life on Mars. That meteorite that they found back in the 90s that Clinton said looked like it had fossilized my uh, microbes in it, they mm -hmm. dismissed or actually did dismiss it. They couldn't decide one way or the other. But more recent technology has allowed to, us to examine it again, and the research team that has 
has come up with three different things about that rock that suggests it strongly is fossilized microbes. So number one, life could exist without a moon like ours. Number two, the uh, wobble in the Earth on the Earth's axis uh, would be over a great deal of time. It wouldn't just happen all at once. So life would have a chance to evolve right. and to adapt to that slow change because we're talking. 10, 20, 30, 40 million years when the Earth is slowly changing its axis. So this isn't like it happened overnight and the seas rushed all over the land and wiped everything out. It's not the hab theory. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we have that. Plus, the moon may have always been there to some degree. It just may have been terraformed by these, uh, the interior of it, not the exterior, by aliens uh, and for a definite purpose. So, again, we have that as well. And again, for a dead moon, it seems to be amazingly alive. We have seen blinks of light, flashes of light. Uh, there were reports of volcanoes by noted astronomers, famous ones, that lasted, the glows lasted for months. Well, there are no volcanoes on the moon. There are uh, tracks, beacons, mists, fogs, lightning. And a moon with no atmosphere at all? How are you going to get lightning? And you can't, lightning is... Uh, as you know, it's a fast current of electricity that mm -hmm. causes ionized plasma. And without an atmosphere, you have no plasma to ionize, so, or a gas to ionize into plasma. So we have that problem as well. Also, some people have noticed some very disturbing images on the moon uh, of different things that later seem to have vanished from NASA photos. NASA published some high-resolution photos on its website and then later made them low-resolution photos. The high-resolution ones showed what looked like domes and structures on the far side of the moon to some degree and on the near side. There were things that were referred to as the um, paperclip. Uh, there is what looked like a shattered dome, a large one. There's what's called uh, Los Angeles because it looks like city blocks. There's this odd channel. And, and again, there are these tracks on the moon that we can't account for. There was even what they thought of as a bridge. Two different astronomers at two different places on Earth noticed this structure that looked like a huge stone bridge. Then later, it disappeared. Why don't we have more high-resolution pictures of the moon? We've had spacecraft that have orbited the moon and, quote-unquote, taken pictures. But you know, even the pictures of the landing sites on the Apollo missions, but they're all very low-resolution. I mean, I can go... These satellites that are floating above Earth, they're higher in relative distance to Earth than those spacecraft were to the moon. And I can zoom right down into my pool in the backyard on Google Maps, but I cannot really distinctly see the Apollo landing sites. Why don't we have any better images of the moon? Well, of course, conspiracy theorists um, would say that's on purpose. Yeah, I'm seeing it up I for you. I haven't been back to the moon in almost half a century. That must be on purpose. We certainly have the technology. For sure. If we had it in 1969, we certainly have it now. You know, <laughs> But uh, I did see a case where they were interviewing one um, NASA scientist, and he was at his desk. And on his desk, you know, sprayed out, they were sprayed out all over all these photographs of the moon. And one of them was clearly seen, a rectangular structure that looked exactly like a stone fort, a large one. Oddly enough, it was only later, years later, that that was where they impacted the one satellite to try to raise, uh, raise a cloud of uh, material to see if there was any water vapor in it. But if there had been a fort there, it would have been wiped out by that impact. Isn't that odd? Mm -hmm. And by the way, none of the photos of the moon ever showed that. But the photo on this uh, scientist's desk when he was being interviewed by the reporter clearly shows that. 
you know, where did that go? What's yeah. happening? Why are we, you know, why are astronomers saying, uh, sorry, not astronomers, but astronauts saying that several of them have said that they believe this alien life, they believed that they were, they were being watched on the uh, journey to the moon on Apollo 11 and others. They stated that uh, they were being watched in the rim of an adjacent range or crater wall and uh, by several alien ships, and they had the distinct impression that they were not wanted there. Yeah, there were there was a lot of, uh, I mean, I've never heard it, but I mean, I've, I've seen quote-unquote transcripts. I don't know if they're real. Uh, there was a lot of audio evidence, to, just to your point there, of astronauts talking to each other about what they were seeing either in space or on the surface of the moon, and a lot of it was... It definitely seemed like they were saying, hey, there there are other beings over there, and they're watching us. They're just sitting on the crest over there watching us. Um, have you seen those? Or do you give those credibility? Yes. That was supposed to be with the Apollo 11 mission. It was supposed to be, I believe, it was supposed to be Neil Armstrong who said that. Yeah. Uh, he did not directly come out and said that he ever said that or saw that, but neither has he explicitly denied it Other uh, otherwise. And also other astronauts um, claim to have seen UFOs. Uh, early on, when NASA was first doing these um, live on, you know, on cable TV, their NASA channel, I was watching it one time, and it was a shuttle in orbit around the Earth, and the commander was a woman, and she's floating there in the cabinet. You can see her talking, you hear her, and she says, oh, there's that alien spaceship again. And then all of a sudden, the sound went. <laughs> she's still talking, because you can see her mouth moving, but you can't hear anything they switched her to a, uh, an encrypted channel. And that was that. And I watched that live when it happened. And now you can't even find that video. And I know I'm not crazy. I saw that and I heard her say it. And there are reports and other books and documents from that time that uh, reference it. But boy, try to find the video now. It's almost impossible. It's like it's been expunged from the internet. If it was hollowed out, if it was terraformed in, inside or hollowed out by aliens, what is your thought to the purpose uh, of creating it that way? There are a number of reasons why it could have been created that way. One of my personal theories is that it may have been an interloper, a rogue world from outside of our solar system. Hmm. There are could well be lots of species in the universe. Uh, on Earth, they say that about 5% of the population is criminal. The other 95% is not. Well, if you had 5% of the races in the universe that were um, evil, basically, malevolent, then other races might try to hide from them. And the way, the best way to do that is to hollow out an asteroid or a moon. Uh, you, in, you enclose it. You can live in it for millions of years. Occasionally, you'd have to move into a solar system to sort of fuel up, if you know what I mean, mm -hmm. on volatile gases and things that you might need. But while you're inside that moon, drifting in deep space for all that time, along with, they think that there might be more rogue worlds between the stars that are actually orbit around stars in our galaxy. If that's the case, and if you're enclosed inside this, no radi radiation is being emitted, no television, no radio, no nothing, you're a dead world in the dark space and nobody knows you're there, and you're safe. But once in a while, they might want to come into a solar system again, basically to fuel up. Now, another theory is that the moon uh, existed already, and they just basically hollowed it out and made it home. And the reason for that would be that it's a great place to live. Uh, in fact, since it's orbit around the Earth, one would say they did put it here on purpose, or it was here and they altered it and changed its orbit. And you could then see the reason would be because not only do they observe us, but they might be interacting with the Earth. 
And don't forget, in any military group, if you ask them what's the best position in a battle or in any kind of military situation, they will always tell you it's the high ground. Right. Well, the moon is the ultimate high ground in military terms. What is, I mean, we've never seen, I've never seen the other side. I mean, I'm sure there are probably pictures. What is the, what does the other side of the moon look like versus the side that we see? Is it, is it just the same thing? Is it similar or is it different? No, it's, it's rather markedly different. Oh, yeah, it's covered with craters, but there are no maria. And none of these vast dark planes that you see when you look up at the moon at night that sort of give it that image of a face or a man in the moon. Uh, there's nothing like that on the far side. It's all craters. There also seems to be what might have been abandoned bases on the far side, ancient ones. They look like they might have been mining operations. But again, those pictures with the high enough resolution to see these have vanished from the NASA website. However, people do have copies of them and, you know, downloaded them when they could. So they do exist. But uh, it's, it's really hard to say. I mean, why is the far side of the moon so different from the near side? That's a big question. And by the way, the far side of the moon, the crust is thicker than the near side, which is another strange oddity. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of what I was what I was asking about the other side was you know what better way if we were if we are hypothesizing that this is a spaceship, you know, in one end of the spaceship you have the propulsion, you know, the propulsion gear. If you were going to park that in a, in a, an area where it could be seen by other life forms, you to me you would put it in a place and you would put it in a in an orbit where the backside would never be seen. You know, the engineering and the the mechanicals would never be seen. You're only going to see the front side. You know, it's, it's the Death Star, right? We, we've moved the Death Star in place. The back half of the Death Star isn't finished yet, or it's, it's you know, the, all the propulsion systems. But all you see is the front, which, which is the facade. And you had to have areas that weren't camouflaged. You want them where the other, you're, the people you're targeting couldn't see, so they right. wouldn't know. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, why, <clears throat> excuse me, why is it all craters on the far side of the moon? And Nomaria, which is another weird thing. Why is the crust thicker? And then also you have the um, problem that it's – all of this is odd. The, the recorded history thing, a time before the moon, the um, oddities of the moon itself, its strange orbit, the problem with all our theories of how it came into being, all of this is with our moon. Other moons we don't have a problem with. Just to, And it happens to be the one that has life on it, the planet Earth has this weird moon. And, of course, there's one other planet that has a weird moon, too, and it is Mars, the small moon, Phobos. But it, they theorize it might be hollow as well, because guess what? Its density is too low for its size as well. So, yeah, I mean, and those would be the two best spots in our solar system, right, based on location and, and, and a lot of other factors. Those would be the best spots to support life. People don't, I don't think people even realize, I know we have recently stopped calling Pluto a planet, but the moon is bigger than Pluto, right? Uh, I'd have to double-check that figure. Our moon is not by any means the largest moon in the solar system, but it is the largest of any terrestrial planet. It is extremely large for a terrestrial planet, meaning a rocky-like planet like mm -hmm. Earth, Mercury, or Venus, or Mars. So it, it is quite large. There are bigger moons. I believe Titan is bigger as well. Uh, Pluto is, is quite small. Yeah, I, I believe the moon is larger than Pluto. Yeah, I think so. I'd have to double-check that. Well, and there, are there so aren't any other... And there aren't any other moons that are roughly about a quarter of the size of the planet that they're that they're orbiting either, right? I mean, the moon's about a quarter of the size of the Earth. So, I mean, that, that's pretty large um, in, in respect. It, it is 
quite large. The diameter of the moon is uh, approximately equal to the width of the United States. Wow. If that gives you any idea, a, a better image, you know, easier image to picture how big the moon might be when you're looking at it. And uh, it's, but again, <laughs> as big as it is, it's too big for its mass. We, uh, we keep coming back to that mm -hmm. density problem. Again, we have uh, moons, and also Phobos has a very strange orbit as well. It's almost they said as if it's artificial. They originally thought it was an asteroid that in uh, uh, Deimos or Deimos, however you want to pronounce it, and uh, some say Deimos even. Mm -hmm. They don't know the Greek or the Latin. But uh, it turns out that um, they're not asteroids, or they shouldn't be, because they're not in the proper orbit for any approaching asteroid from the asteroid belt to get into. But Phobos has a very strange orbit. It's very close to the planet, and it seems to have a retrograde motion to it as well. And it also has strange markings on it. There's what looks like a monolith at one end of it, and there are these series of craters that are aligned in a radial pattern uh, around the, the moon, and they, we can't account for that. If scientists theorize, okay, well, if it's not hollow, it must be a con loose conglomeration of rocks with a layer of dust over it, which kind of holds it together a little bit. But you have to understand Phobos is so small, uh, and irregular, that any meteor impact should shatter it and, and turn it into a cloud of debris. It, its gravity is so low that if you threw a baseball, it would reach escape velocity. Nice. Uh, I mean, it, it, you know, it's what, only about 17 miles long? And uh, so we can't account for that either. They're, so they're saying, well, how in the heck could meteors impact that size with those craters without utterly shattering Phobos into a bunch of tiny pieces? They don't know. Also, they don't know how uh, incoming meteorites uh, or meteors could strike the surface in that particular strange pattern. They they can't come up with any mm -hmm. orbital dynamics that would account for it. Aren't they also finding, in terms of the moon, they're they're also finding a, what they think to be an enormous chunk of metal in, in the in the southern hemisphere of the moon under underground. Yeah, it, it, yeah. There's a very dense region near the south polar south polar region of the moon, and it's buried quite deep and and again, this is my problem with media reports on this stuff. Scientists theorize that it might, and this is the operative word, might be a metallic asteroid that impacted the moon. And it's huge. It's like larger than Hawaii. Wow. And uh, they, um, but they say might. They don't know because this thing is buried inside the moon. And immediately the media says, oh, you know, a large metallic asteroid struck the moon in ancient times. There's another problem, too. If something that large, and I mean, you're talking the size of a state struck the moon, there should be one whopping big crater. We do see asteroids and other moons that are actually irregularly shaped because of a large crater impact. Some look dumbbells, some look like a potato, mm -hmm. but, you know, it, it leaves its scarring on these things. And if you have something the size of a state, imagine if uh, asteroids the size of a state impacted the Earth. It would, it would, well, from what you'd think, it would eliminate life. I mean, it would eliminate human life, at least. I mean, it could be a world killer. Oh, yeah. Well, there'd be nothing left under it right. that way. But, I mean, imagine the, the size of the of the crater, the scarring of the Earth it would True. leave behind. Right. You would, that wouldn't erode in one heck of a hurry, trust me. So if we're saying then, okay, because we've, we've made the, the case that the Earth has a, a weird moon and Mars both have a weird moon, and they also have some evidence of either life now or life in the past— do we think then that right. there's this there's an idea that human life, if not necessarily fully seeded by aliens, was maybe even partially 
seeded by aliens? Maybe aliens, alien DNA, alien blood is here still now? Well, that's one theory. I mean, there is this RH negative factor going on with the human race that we can't account for. It is a mutation that can cause uh, a mother and a child, if one's negative, one's positive, to both die. Oh. And because of that, it's a lethal form of mutation in a way. It should have been bred out of the human population long ago. It hasn't been. We don't know why. And we don't know how to account for it. Uh, there are some people on Earth who have RH negative, which means they don't have the rhesus factor. This is a protein that is found in the rhesus monkey. And the majority of the human race has it. The vast majority of the human race has this protein. But those who are RH negative don't. They do not have it. And this is hard to account for. And uh, we don't know why that is. So some people are theorizing it's because we've been tampered with. Uh, our DNA has been altered and, and our you know, physical makeup as a result. Um, others think it might be panspermia that we simply receded here mm-hmm. naturally ages ago, or perhaps deliberately by aliens. Um, and that could be true. Uh, true, I, I don't know. But um, my feeling is that if you have moons around two worlds, one had life, apparently, and one that has it now, that's just too coincidental right. to, to be ignored. And again, the moon is the high ground, whether it's Phobos or our moon. And there has to be something going on with that. Why? And then, of course, you have all these ports of UFOs in, on, around the moon, same on Earth. And in all cases, they're not interacting with human beings. It's not like we come in peace, that sort of thing. It's like they're avoiding us like crazy or hiding from us, or whatever you want to call it. And that doesn't bode well for uh, things either. I mean, if you have an uh, extraterrestrial species, and it's been here a long, long time, and and then people say, well, it's just observing us. No, it's doing more than observing. Uh, We've noticed them coming uh, up from the uh, caverns on the Earth, up from the sea. We've seen them in our skies. We've seen them in space around the Earth. Apparently, they trailed some of the Apollo missions to the moon. Uh, some say that they actually interacted with the astronauts on the moon, at least as far as observing them goes. Mm-hmm. So when you have all this going on, you have to, and, and yet no open contact with this, you have to assume there's some agenda that we're not being made privy to, and there's a reason for that. Do you feel like there's still a lot of evidence that there may be still aliens to this date on the moon or in the moon? Well, the evidence that I most, uh, points to what would be ruins of very ancient structures mm-hmm. on the moon. And, uh, however, because of the transient lunar phenomena that NASA did the report on uh, for over the last 500 years, and the reason for 500 years is because that was when the telescope was invented, so observations were more clinical and, and, and uh, more reliable. But And by the way, they're still going on. We're still seeing this stuff. So uh, I have to assume, you know, that... Um, there's something to it. Is it odd? I mean, and it might not, might be or might not be. Odd. I mean, I also read a report saying that the moon was slowly pulling away, pulling away from the Earth, and that at some point in the you know the way way distant future, it will break free and kind of continue its journey onward. Uh, is is yeah, that? It, it is slowly spiraling outward from the Earth. If you backtrack it, I actually did this. I tried to calculate how close the moon would have been at some point in the past, like 1 billion, 2 billion, 3 billion years, uh, 
because it does it has it is creating right. friction on the earth and it is slowing our day down. Our days are getting longer. Our days apparently were much faster at one point in time, four to six hours they theorized. So uh and of course the tides when the moon was that close to the earth were humongous. If you're standing, say, in Indiana on one of the plains there, you'd have seen this big wave coming at you, and it wouldn't have been the ocean. It would have been the ground itself lifting up about 100 meters. That would be a, a, mm. a, a geological tide in the Earth's crust coming at you, followed by the ocean itself moving over you. So it wouldn't have been a pleasant time to exist in, I'm sure. That, to me, also makes it weird about talking about a time before the moon. Because, again, if if when the moon came in and it, if it was as close as you're talking, that is making significant upheaval within within a, a person's life. If if there are people that are there currently settled and then the moon comes into place and it's that close and it's having that much of an effect, that would have been catastrophic, right? I mean, that would have been pretty significant. Well, that was the final leg of evidence that I have in my book. And it is based on the idea that if the moon was moved into orbit around the Earth, when did it occur? And if it did occur, were there any kind of catastrophic results for life on Earth? Yeah. There apparently is a great deal of evidence coming to the fore that something happened about 12,000 years ago. The um, last ice age abruptly ended. Uh, there's evidence of a crown fire in North America. Literally all the forests of North America caught fire. There is uh, the, the extinction right about that time of all the major um, uh, mammals, the you know giant sloth, the mammoth, mm-hmm. mastodon, all that kind of thing. There is um, evidence for a massive amount of flooding, and very quickly. And uh, there's also evidence of um, impacts, like uh, meteor impacts and stuff occurring at that particular time. Something happened about 12,000 years ago, and... Our history refers back to it uh, only incidentally now with regard to things like the Great Flood, that sort of thing. But apparently, something cataclysmic occurred on the Earth about 10,000 BCE or 12,000 years ago. There you go. It could be that could be the moment, right? Because that's the end of the Ice Age. They're you know talk. They've always attributed it to some type of maybe an asteroid or meteorite impact, things like that. But Who's to say? I wasn't there. I, it's hard to tell. Um, so based on your research then, I have, this is kind of my last question. Maybe I have one, one more question after this. Based on your research right now, which way are you leaning? Are you leaning that it's just a, it's an interesting topic and it's thought-provoking, or are you leaning towards, yeah, I think that the moon probably is hollow? Well, for me, it's more than an interesting and thought-provoking topic. I lean to the idea that the moon is either got a hollow center or large hollow areas within it. Again, you just have to account for that missing mass. Mm-hmm. It's it's just basic physics. It's, if it's not there, then it's not there. There has, If the moon's is current size and it's not missing from the surface, because we see the surface is there, it's got to be missing from the interior. So, And also with all this other evidence, I would say there is a reasonable to perhaps good possibility that the moon is hollow in nature. If you're an Nostradamus right now, what, what happens in the future? Uh, are we going to be finally greeted? Are we going to be met by the inhabitants of the moon? Is it finally? Are they finally going to just show themselves and say, "Here we go," uh, or is it going to fire no, up I one day and pull so. away? What do, What do you think is going to happen? No, I don't think so. Uh, I, I, they 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 have been here a long, long time. Apparently, 
uh, it's either thousands of years, millennia, or or more. And uh, depending on when you figure the moon might have been moved into orbit around the Earth, my uh, gut feeling is that no, they're not going to come forward to us. They've had ample time. Right. They've had ages and ages to do it. In fact, our technology has grown so recently that they're having a hard time avoiding us. More pictures than ever <laughs> before have been taken of UFOs, more videos. The reports coming in from all over the world of sightings of these things. Our military has admitted there are aerial um, phenomena that they can't account for. And, uh, you know, they said that that video that was released about that jet interacting with that, let's call it a tic-tac-shaped object, right. that's what they called it, mm-hmm. uh, is real. So, and they said it defied the laws of physics. So, if they're here, then why aren't they making contact with us? They seem to be interfering with us. I mean, if you look at UFO history, there have been lots of property damage, lots of injuries, and quite a few deaths. And they either don't seem to want to interact with us, or they just don't care about us one way or the other, any more than we care about a bunch of ants going around them in our front yard as we walk through it. They just seem to ignore us. Although, these interactions sometimes with us, with our jets and our ships and things, makes you wonder why they're doing that. Are they just having fun with us? Are they playing cat and mouse? Uh, are they testing our technological capabilities? Yeah. Reassuring else that we're still primitive by comparison to them? I don't know. But I don't think, let me put it this way if they exist, they, again, they've had ample opportunity to see us or meet with us, and they haven't. Therefore, and with their behavior, I have to assume that they may be either immoral or amoral and possibly malevolent. Yeah, I think to your point, I think the cat's out of the bag in terms of their existence with our technology now and, and, and the government can't keep a lid on it lid on it anymore because we can anybody can take a picture with their phone and put it on the internet in ten minutes. So it, it's it's imp- almost and impossible. They do. Yeah, exactly. It's impossible to control <laughs> they do all the time. And some pretty reliable people have been doing it too. Do you remember with these UFO reports, it isn't just your average Joe citizen that's taking these pictures. It's military pilots, it's commercial pilots, uh, it's police, it's military on the ground. I mean, these reports are coming in from all sources. And you can just pretend they're not real and deny them. But I think what we're getting is a slow, or I would call it a soft disclosure. Mm-hmm. People go, when are we going to get a disclosure about UFOs? I think we're getting it. The government is going to come out and say, yes, they're aliens, and yes, they're not necessarily the nicest people. Instead, they're saying, oh, yeah, that video uh, was real. And then they leave it to us to interpret what that exactly means. Oh, the video of that UFO is real, and we can't account for what it is, and it has capabilities no one on Earth has, then it must be extraterrestrial. They're letting us draw our own conclusions. I believe it is soft disclosure, and it's ongoing lately. Giving us tacit approval. Yeah, they're just not saying anything. Uh, No answer is an answer, that's for sure. Um, Thank exactly. You. Sometimes Go ahead. the negative stuff that tells you what you need to know. <laughs> what is not said says volumes. Uh, thank you so exactly. much, Rob, for, for again for joining the, the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, I know we are in a point where public appearances are kind of off the board right now. But do you have anything else going on, another book perhaps, something like that that's going to be releasing soon that you'd like to plug? I do have another radio show on the 30th. I won't mention the name because that wouldn't be nice. But uh, uh, I am working on a book on quantum immortality and life after death because I've gotten into quantum physics quite a bit of late. Yes. And uh, I uh, may be collaborating in the near future with a um, 
research group that is uh, researching paranormal. So that sounds exciting to me as well. Absolutely. Uh, well, thanks again. One, uh, once again, that's Mr. Rob Shelsky. He's a, a fountain of knowledge. I like bringing him in when I want to talk in depth about a, a, a topic because he knows quite a bit. Once again, that's robshelsky.blogspot.com. That's his website. And you can look up his book, For the Moon is Hollow and the Aliens Rule the Sky, on Amazon.com. Thanks, Rob, for joining the podcast. And uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Thank you very much for having me on. I really enjoyed it. Right, you thanks. have a good evening. You too. Thank you. All right, everybody. So once again, that is Rob Shelsky. Uh, we had another good conversation. Again, we talked about the Mandela Effect. I think that was in January, that that, that episode released and, you know, baked my noodle quite a bit. And this is another one of those those things where, you know, you don't have to necessarily believe that, that it's aliens, that aliens drove the moon in like a Death Star. But I don't think anybody in terms of the scientific community, I really don't think you're going to find a scientist that's going to disagree that the orbit's a little off, the synchronous orbit, you know, where you're only seeing that one face, that's that's odd. You know, the perfectly circular orbit around the equator, it's not, that's not normal. I think that's the one of the only um, orbits like that in the solar system. You know, the makeup of the of the crust itself, the incredibly tough outer shell with these big open gaps in, inside, uh, the distance, again, from, from the Earth to the moon, and then the, the distance and the relative size of the moon allows for those eclipses of the sun, which no other moon in the solar system does. Again, so there's just a lot of anomalies. You know, the age of the moon doesn't match up with the age of the earth. How did it get there? So you're not going to necessarily hear from me that, yeah, aliens hollowed out the, the moon and they drove it here and they parked it here and then they seeded the earth with human life. I don't know if I'm ready to go that far, but there is something there to the anomalies in the moon, maybe not always being there, maybe being brought. I'm not a, opposed to the idea that earth human life has been here a lot longer than we think it has. I think I've mentioned this before, that we've been here a lot longer than we think we have or that recent history says we have. And maybe to his point, you know, the, the wobble on the axis every 85, you know, 85% here and there over millions of years, maybe we were getting to the point where we said, we need to straighten this out a little bit. I don't think that we are as good right now as we have ever been. I think that there is every opportunity to think that human existence has been as technologically advanced or more in the distant past. Who's to say that we weren't able in the distant past to go out and find the moon and find this stabilizing force and bring it there and place it directly in a perfect spot to keep our existence going the way that it's supposed to? And then who knows, you know, what happens civilizations wax and wane, empires wax and wane. You know, the Roman Empire is still not here, right? At one point, it was the greatest force on, on the world. Now it's gone. So just because at that point we were technologically advanced doesn't mean that it would be that way forever. I'm a, actually a pretty big fan of that idea, is that maybe we have been around a lot longer. We realized, saw the need, saw that opportunity, brought it into place to extend our existence. But it's not a, you know, the idea of aliens using it as a temporary home, a spacecraft, a way of getting through the universe undetected. That's uh, as good an idea as any until somebody can come back conclusively and say, no, you know, we've done the conclusive research and we have hard evidence that X is the reason this happened. Until we have that, 
the whole thing is just one big piece of conjecture. You, you, everybody has their opinion on it. So what's your opinion on it? Do you feel that the human race was seeded by aliens? And those aliens arrived in the moon and said, hey, this, this planet here has all the spice that we need to sustain life. Let's go ahead and seed it and see what happens. Are they still up there? Are they long gone? Are they us? You know, those are some options. You know, what are your thoughts? You can contact us through our email address. It's provemewrongcast at gmail.com. That's the email. If you want to drop a line on Facebook or Instagram, you can look us up there. It's Prove Me Wrong. That's just the name of the show. If you just want to hear content, you can go really to any podcast provider that you find or that you use. Stitcher, Tuned In, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, anything that where you find podcasts, you can find the Prove Me Wrong podcast. Like and subscribe to the show, and you will be notified when a new episode arrives. We tend to release them once a week. Like and subscribe to the YouTube page, and you will be also notified when a new episode is released. And so then you can come onto YouTube and, and watch the video portion of the podcast. The Prove Me Wrong podcast is also brought tonight by Zendozone Citronella Burners from JT Eaton. They are shaped like fearless little tiki gods. So let Surf and Stan, Hawaiian Howie, and Luau Lily bring the islands to your backyard with Zendozone Citronella Burners. Zendozones uses natural 3% citronella candles and incense cones. They're perfect for patios, decks, backyards, campsites, poolside, and more. You can enjoy the outdoors again. They are available on Amazon.com and at some select Ace Hardware stores. So go ahead and collect them all today. So once again, my guest today was Mr. Rob Shelsky. Robshelsky.blogspot.com is his webpage, and you can look for his book online on Amazon.com. And I am Pete Lee for the Premier On Podcast, and we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>